Tensions rise in Pakistan following the arrest and release of a former prime minister. Imran Khan was detained by the military on the 9th of May as he arrived at court in Islamabad to face corruption charges. He's since been released when the Supreme Court declared the arrest was unlawful. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading medical and security risk management business. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organization. And in this episode, we're speaking to Louise Hogan, International SOS's lead security analyst for Pakistan, about Imran Khan's arrest and what it means for the country. So, Louise, can you bring us up to date with where Imran Khan is now? So Khan is currently free out on bail. He is staying at his main residence in Zaman Park in Lahore. So the Supreme Court granted him a two-week bail in one of the cases that he's facing, the one that he was arrested over. But he is facing more than 100 other criminal cases. So right now, he and his legal team are seeking bail in those other cases, trying to avoid another arrest attempt. How likely is that, do you think? We do expect the government to arrest Khan again. So while the unrest over the last week has shown the consequences of this for the security environment, it also seems to have hardened the resolve of government and military leaders to detain Khan. The ability of Imran Khan and his PTI party to bring people out on the street has really demonstrated that he poses a, a high political threat for the government. So it's really strengthened their resolve. We've also seen that the government has been extremely critical of the Supreme Court. They've said that its chief justice is biased and they've called on him to resign for ordering the release of Imran Khan. So the government are certainly not backing down on their stance that Khan should be detained. So we do expect to see further attempts to arrest him in the coming weeks and possibly over the coming months. Now, his arrest led to protests and unrest in Pakistan. How significant was that? Yeah, so we saw protests begin immediately after Khan was detained. Within the hour, his supporters were out on the streets in multiple cities across Pakistan. And we saw them focus on key routes and highways. Uh, that was quite prevalent. But also we saw them targeting sites associated with the military. So, for instance, we saw protesters attack the residence of the Corps commander in Lahore. They set it on fire. And in Rawalpindi, protesters also broke into the main entrance of the army headquarters. So those are quite unprecedented public expressions of anger against the military, which is a really powerful institution in Pakistani politics. And the reason for this anger is primarily because it was paramilitary troops who arrested Khan. And Khan himself has blamed the military's senior leadership for targeting him. And in his words, he says they are trying to prevent him from returning to power. So we did see that the military were deployed to three provinces and the capital Islamabad last week amid the unrest. And while we did see them use force, their response was arguably somewhat restrained. But the military leadership has been very explicit since then, saying that they will not respond with any restraint if military institutions or sites are targeted during the unrest again. So do you think then that there's a danger of further confrontations like this? depending on what happens next with Khan. Yeah, unfortunately, if the military are targeted during future protests, we do expect that that will prompt more direct confrontations between civilian protesters and the military uh, based on 
the unrest that we've seen and based on the strong statements coming from the military leadership that they will not show any restraint if their sites are targeted. Unfortunately, we're likely to see more direct confrontations. So given Imran Khan was arrested and the government, you say, will probably try to arrest him again. How do you assess his chances of being able to stand to become the country's next prime minister? Khan is certainly in a difficult position. So all the polls indicate that he is the most popular leader in Pakistan right now, and it is quite likely that he could win at the polls. We're expecting elections to happen later this year. What it really comes down to is this alliance between the military and the government right now and their determination to keep Khan from coming to power. However, the judiciary has really struck an independent note. So we saw the Supreme Court go against the government, essentially, by saying that Khan's arrest last week was illegal. So if Khan can continue winning in the courts, there is the possibility that he will be able to stay out of detention until elections are held and possibly then even win. But certainly, it's a very difficult few months that he faces. And amongst all this political instability, there are still major worries about Pakistan's deteriorating economic situation amid warnings that the country could default in the coming months. So, Louise, do you think that could happen? Unfortunately, that's a real credible possibility at this stage. So the economic situation in Pakistan has been deteriorating for some time, but it's really coming to a crucial crunch point in June. The country is due to repay a large amount of debt then. But if it doesn't receive additional funding from the IMF, there's a credible possibility that they could default. Now, the economic impact of the unrest and the internet blocks that we saw last week also hasn't helped. But equally, the government is very focused on the political instability and unrest and seems to be quite bullish on the question of a default. They've outright rejected that it's even possible, but we know that it is a possibility at this stage. Pakistan really has very few options right now for more financing. So if the IMF doesn't release additional funding by the end of June, Pakistan may try and seek financial assistance from China. Otherwise, a default is a very real possibility at this stage. Do you think other countries are actually paying enough attention to what's going on in Pakistan? It's interesting to me that it's not being discussed more in Europe, but I guess that's always the way when you're watching something, because if Pakistan does default, not only is it nuclear armed, it's the fifth most populous country in the world. So the migrant crisis that we're likely to see coming out of that will exacerbate the situation that we're seeing elsewhere already. And it will be quite a significant outflow of people that will affect areas in the Gulf and also areas in Europe. Um, but despite this, we're not seeing very much overt political engagement from European states or from the US right now. So taking into account the political instability and the economic situation in the country, what do you think clients should be doing now to prepare, especially if Pakistan were to default? So. In the event of a default, we're likely to see immediate shortages of basic goods, things like food, fuel, medicine. So right now, people and organizations should be looking to evaluate their local assistance networks. So for instance, to evaluate how well prepared you are to operate amid these increased logistical challenges. 
We'll also see things like prolonged electricity shortages and uh, fuel shortages also. So it's important to plan ahead to ensure that you have access to fuel supplies, a backup generator for your private residence, for instance, if you don't have one already and if you can access that. I think it's important for people to realize too that if Pakistan does not default, which of course we hope it does not, it still faces a really tough fiscal environment in the coming 12 months. So these are steps that organizations should be taking now, even if they believe a default won't happen, to ensure that they're resilient in the months to come. And with regards to possible food or fuel shortages, what does International SOS recommend people or companies have stocked up, ready, specifically should the worst happen? Yeah, so this is where it, you know, having a business continuity plan and a thorough evaluation of your stance uh, in country is really crucial because you need to understand how many people you have in country, how many dependents they have, and then that will enable you to make sure that you have, for instance, as a very short term measure, at least a week's worth of um, essentials that if your people had to stand fast, you could support them with that. But if you're thinking about really trying to be resilient under difficult circumstances to come, if you could stretch that to up to 30 days, that would be ideal. And what advice would you give now to people in Pakistan? How should they prepare for the coming months? So people and organizations in Pakistan should recognize that we're heading into a tumultuous few months, right? So we're likely to see more frequent flare-ups of widespread protests and significant unrest like we saw last week, it's going to keep happening in response to attempts to arrest Khan or in relation to elections and so on. So this will likely entail more internet communications blocks. So firstly, people should ensure that they have multiple methods of communications, having local and international SIM cards, for instance, and ensuring that you have access to fixed line internet services, not just mobile data. People also need to maintain flexible itineraries. You know, anyone who's traveling in or out the country or just traveling for business domestically, be prepared to change your travel plans in the event of unrest because getting to and from the airport will be difficult. And also people who are in country right now need to be prepared to minimize non-essential movements at really short notice. So we do advise that all our clients in Pakistan have professional security or transport support. And this is crucial because if we're expecting to see protests and unrest happening frequently, we're seeing this happen very quickly. So when Khan was arrested, protests began within the hour and highways to and from airports were blocked. So if you were in a location without professional support, you would struggle to safely navigate such a situation. So really ensuring that you have professional transport or security support is vital. Given the situation in Pakistan is so hard to predict, what should clients be doing to plan for the unexpected? We're really facing a tumultuous few months ahead, and it's very difficult to say now what will definitely happen. We obviously have some most likely scenarios, but I do think clients should account for a multitude of possibilities and consider their stance and how that might affect their operations in country. So, for instance, if we were looking at some potential scenarios that could happen, that may be something like a worst case, if Khan is injured or worse, that would see an immediate deterioration in the security environment countrywide, and it would create even more political instability. Also, while we saw the military being deployed on the streets last week, there was not martial law. 
but martial law has previously been enacted in Pakistan. So that's also a consideration that if we see these periods of unrest become more frequent and escalate, there is the possibility that a state of emergency or martial law will be implemented. So these are all things that clients need to plan for now and consider, for instance, if those situations arise, how will we support our, our employees in country? Will we want to pull out our foreign nationals? And these are things to determine now so that you have escalation plans ready in case these scenarios do happen in the coming months. Okay, Louise, thanks very much for all your insight and analysis. Thank you, Chris. Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder that you'll be able to access the latest information and updates on the situation in Pakistan from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye.